0: Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Good morning. We're going to be continuing our series looking at the I Am's that Simon started last week, looking at those seven I am statements of Jesus in the book of John, the hope for this series is that it will give us a greater revelation of who Jesus is and that we'll be able to respond accordingly to these seven statements of Jesus. So let's pray that God's Holy Spirit will give us this today. So let's pray. Father, I pray that you speak to us through your Spirit this morning. That as we look at today's I Am statement, that we'll know more about you through it, and that, Lord, we'll be able to respond in a way that is pleasing to you. Lord, let this not just be another online Sunday, another week where um, it as it can be so easy for us to get into a routine where we listen. We go away and we don't do anything about it, Lord. I pray that you'll speak to us this morning, and by your Holy Spirit, we will be transformed through looking at your word this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. One of my favorite films, one of my favorite ever films, is a film called The Adjustment Bureau. And you may not have seen this. If you you haven't seen it, it's an absolute must. You need to get yourself watching it. I don't know what it's on, but try and find it and watch it because it is a brilliant, brilliant film. So because I've just told you to watch it, I'm not going to give too much away in the plot. But one of the scenes, one of my favourite scenes in any film of all time is where there are two main characters that are running away to find freedom. There's a group of men that are trying to stop them from living in freedom. And they're running away from these men in order to work out how to live in freedom. And as they run around, there are doors that teleport to different places in the city. So, for example, they're trapped in a bathroom and they go through one door, and on the other side of the door, they end up being in a baseball stadium. And then to get out of that baseball stadium, they find a door, they go through, and they end up at an office block in the middle of the city centre. They're aiming to find freedom by going through these doors and seeing what is on the other side. And today, we're looking at Jesus's um, I am statement, I am the door. Or because of the context of what Jesus is saying in many of our Bibles, in most British translations, we'll be reading, I am the gate. And just like the main characters in the Adjustment Bureau, Jesus is saying, that he is the door to freedom, just like the main characters are looking to get to freedom by going through these doors. Jesus's claim is that he is the door, he is the gate to freedom. So the passage we're going to look at today in John 10 can often be quite misunderstood, it can be misinterpreted, because to understand this passage properly, You need to have just read the previous chapter. You need to understand what is going on in the bigger picture before we can fully understand the situation that Jesus is speaking into. And often, I don't know about you, but often when we just read a chapter at a time, um, maybe in our quiet times with ourselves or in small group or, or whenever, often we may feel like, we don't quite understand the whole story because we're coming into a chapter without knowing the context behind it. And this is one of those uh, passages this morning where you really need to understand the context before we read the main passage. So before we look together at John chapter 10, I'd love us to look briefly at what happened in John chapter 9. So I'm going to give a, a quick little summary of of John chapter nine, which is a pretty straightforward chapter in that the whole chapter is one story. And it begins with Jesus healing a man born blind. And when this man's born, uh, when this man's healed, he goes to those that know him and they see that he's no longer blind and blind. At first, they're doubting a little bit. They're they're questioning, is he definitely the same person? Was he definitely ever blind? But they come to the realisation that this is the same man that was blind that can now see. So what they decide to do is they decide to bring this man to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders, to say, what is going on? How come this guy who was blind can now suddenly see? So the Pharisees ask the blind man, although no longer blind, so the no longer blind man, what happened? And what he says is that there's this guy called Jesus that touched his eyes and he's healed. So the Pharisees are starting to, they're very confused and they're starting to argue amongst themselves. Who is this man that has healed this guy that we know was blind? Who is this man that that claims to be a healer? They start to argue amongst themselves about who Jesus is. And long story short, what they do next is um, what many of us would do. If we think someone's son is lying, you go straight... To the parents. So they go to the parents of um, the, the no longer blind man and they ask, What happened? Was he definitely blind? Can he definitely now see? What happened? And the parent says, Ask him, he's old enough. You don't need to come to me, ask him. So finally they go back to the man, back to the man that has been healed from his blindness. And they say to him, what has happened? Is this man that healed you from the devil? And what this man says is, all I know is that I was blind, but now I see. I've already told you everything, he says. I've already told told you everything. Why do you keep asking me? Maybe you want to be a follower of him too. He finishes with that cheeky line. Maybe you want to be a follower of him too. And they're wound up by this. The Pharisees and the religious leaders are wound up by him saying this. And they decide to kick him out of the synagogue. To kick him out and say, don't come back. They tell him to leave. And they tell him not to come back. So what Jesus does is he goes to find this man that's been kicked out of the synagogue, that's been kicked out of this city, and he reveals to him who he is. He reveals to the blind man who he is, that he is the son of man. But as he does this, the Pharisees and the religious leaders hear. The Pharisees and religious leaders are around, and they start to question what Jesus is saying. And this is the point in which I'd love us to pick up from this morning. So I want to read this morning from John chapter 9 verse 39 to John 10 verse 10. So if you have your Bibles with you, do turn to John chapter 9, the end of chapter 9, going in to chapter 10. And it says this, starting at verse 39. Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him, uh, with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognise a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So, as Jesus turns his attention towards the Pharisees, towards the religious leaders, he seems to have two motives. The first motive is to expose or to rebuke the Pharisees and religious leaders. And the second motive is is to introduce himself as the only way to God. And the first thing that becomes clear is this rebuke, is this um, uh, exposing the leadership style of the Pharisees. And Jesus uses the analogy of sheep and shepherds as it would have been clear and easy for them to understand. In fact, this analogy is used throughout Scripture many times. But for us, as we may not know so many shepherds and know this situation and how it works quite so clearly, let alone how it worked 2,000 years ago, it's slightly harder for us to understand what Jesus might be saying. It's slightly harder for us to relate to what Jesus is saying. So let me explain how it worked for shepherds and sheep in cities 2,000 years ago. So often the way it worked is there was a large coral where shepherds would bring their flocks to secure them at night. And this was a public pen which would have held several flocks under the care of a watchman whose duty it was to guard the gate and protect the sheep during the night. And then in the morning, all these different shepherds would come to this pen and they would call out to their sheep, who would respond to the voice of their shepherd. And they would follow uh, them out of the pen into, uh, into the pastures. So clearly you'd only be allowed in these public pens if you were the watchman or if you were one of the shepherds calling your sheep. And it doesn't take a historian in uh, shepherding 2,000 years ago to realise that if someone was trying to sneak around the back of these uh, public pens, if someone was trying to uh, enter in a way that, that wasn't guarded by the watchmen, if they were trying to enter in a way other than the gate, then they were probably up to no good. If they were trying to sneak around the back and find another way in, then they were probably trying to steal or harm the sheep. So by this stage, as the Pharisees were listening to what Jesus was saying, they would have understood the principle they would have understood why Jesus was saying that if someone's trying to get in the sheep pen another way, sheep pen another way then they were, they were thieves and robbers. But they were probably confused at what the point in what Jesus was saying was. They were probably thinking, why are you telling me something so obvious? If I said to you this morning, the one who enters the house by going round the back and smashing a window with a hammer and climbing through is a thief. But the one who uses the front door key, they are the owner. If I said that this morning, you'd be thinking, yes, Jake, you are right. That is normally how it works. But you'd also be thinking, what's your point? You've told me something obvious. Now, what's your point? So this is what the uh, Pharisees, the religious leaders that are hearing Jesus say this, would have been thinking, "What is your point?" And then the point comes clear to them. In verse seven, when Jesus decides to uh, try a more obvious technique in what he's saying, when he decides to try again and re-explain what he was meaning, in verse seven he says, "I." I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate for the sheep. And this is the I am statement that we're looking at today. I am the gate for the sheep. And I want to look at this morning what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees in saying this, and then in turn what he is saying to everyone, including us here today. So first to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, who claim to be the the shepherds of the sheep. And also, I guess, in turn to all leaders who try to lead from their own um, strength. Jesus is saying to them, he's rebuking them, saying, you are the robbers and the thieves. All you are doing is stealing life away from people. But Jesus came to give life and life to the full. And what he's saying is you who are trying to do it through your own reputation, through your own self-righteousness, through um, thinking you you can be good enough for it, thinking that you're good enough, you guys are getting it all wrong. Because the only way that you can lead your people is if you lead through me. If you lead them through the gate that leads to life. Jesus is challenging the leaders that they need to be leading through Jesus and not out of their own self-righteousness, not out of their own reputation. It's a rebuke also to the leadership style of the Pharisees during this time. The Pharisees that kicked out this uh, blind man that was healed, that kicked him out for having challenged them. Jesus is saying that you can't lead through your own means. The way you will best lead is leading through me. So, yes, it's a rebuke to the Pharisees, but Jesus is making a much bigger point than simply rebuking the actions of the Pharisees. And in doing so, what he is telling them and in turn telling us, he is saying, I am the only way to be saved. What Jesus is saying to the Pharisees and in turn saying to us is, I am the only way to the Father. Verse nine, he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. See, for the Pharisees, it was all about law. If you follow the law strict enough, then you will gain enough righteousness to be saved. You'll gain enough righteousness to have relationship with God. You'll gain enough righteousness to enter into heaven. You just need to follow these Old Testament laws every day of your life. And if you manage to do that, then you'll just about make it to heaven. And they followed them so religiously. They followed these laws so religiously that when Jesus healed the blind man, On the Sabbath day, they were saying to each other, well, this man must be of the devil. This man must be of the devil because you can't heal someone on the Sabbath day. But Jesus, in this passage, is saying to them, if you're trying to achieve righteousness by your own hard work, and if you're teaching people that they can try to get into heaven by not doing bad things, then you are completely mistaken. And instead, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will have life and have it to the full. The Pharisees have been thinking and they've been teaching also that there was another way to get into heaven if you work hard enough, if you follow the law perfectly, then there was another way around. There was a ladder that you can climb to get into the sheep pin. You didn't have to go through the gate. There was another way. But Jesus says, the only way to have life to the full, the only way to enter into this sheep pin, to enter into relationship with God, to enter in. To living your best life is to go through me. The only way you can can have that, the only way you can be saved from your sin, is to go through me. And in saying this, Jesus was foretelling what he was going to do later on, he was foretelling that he would die on the cross for our sin, and that he would rise again, so that through him, the gate, we can enter into heaven, and into relationship with God. I don't know how many times it's going to take Christians, it's going to take us, it's going to take me, of reading this, and knowing this, for us to fully grasp That he is the only way to relationship with God. I've heard so many times people say to me, I just need to sort this out or I just need to do this and then I can be made right with God. Or I don't think I'm in a good place at the moment. I'm not really in a good place with God at the moment because I just keep slipping up. It's easy to think of Jesus as someone who helps us get through the gate. It's easy to think of Jesus almost as a personal trainer that thins us out in order that we can get through, that we can fit through the gate. But what Jesus is saying here is, no, 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 I don't help you get through the gate. I am the gate. I don't help you get to God, get into relationship with God. I am the only way into relationship with God. And yes, Jesus transforms us when we have a relationship with him, we are transformed. But this is so important that we realise, we recognise and we know the truth that he doesn't transform us in order that we can make the cut. He doesn't transform us in order that we can make it through the gate. He doesn't transform us in order that we can have relationship with God or go to heaven. He says, the gate is open. Come through me. Come through me and I will transform you into the best you can be, the person that I created you to be. He doesn't transform us so that we can fit in, so that we can make the cut. But he says, come as you are, and I want to give you life and life to the full. When we think that we need to eradicate our sin before we can choose to follow Jesus. Then what we're really saying is that we're made right with God by our own actions. But the reality is, is that we're made right with God because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, meaning that he is the gate to God. He is the gate to the Father. Only through him can we enter into relationship with God. It has nothing to do with us. It is fully to do with him. And if we truly, truly believe in the power of the resurrection, then we have no choice but to believe that we are saved through faith alone by the grace of Jesus. There's nothing that we can do other than believe in him and trust in him. And he leaves the gate open this morning. Have we chosen to walk through the gate yet? Have we chosen to come as we are, with our brokenness, with our failings, with our sin, and walking through that gate? Have we gone to Jesus and say, I come as I am. I want to enter into this sheep pen. And when you enter through the gate, he protects you. I explained earlier how um, sheep are kept in cities, but in villages two thousand years ago, the sheep were kept in different way and I believe that as Jesus was saying um, was saying this to the Pharisees, he had in mind Both the way the sheep were kept in the cities, but also the way the sheep was kept in villages. And this is how they were kept in villages. A shepherd would herd um, his sheep into a low walled enclosure of piled rocks with a small opening. And it had a small opening instead of a door or a gate. And at night, since there was no gate, just this small opening, what the shepherd would do is where that opening to the sheep pin was. He would lie down in front and sleep there. And he would do this to keep the sheep in and to protect the sheep from any wild animals or anyone that wanted to harm the sheep inside. He would literally lie down and become the gate. As it lay down, the shepherd would become the gate in order to protect his sheep. And Jesus literally laid down his life to protect you, to keep you from harm. He is both the shepherd and the gate. He is the only way. To God. Can you hear the voice of the shepherd calling your name this morning? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you sent your Son to die on the cross and to rise again so that it wouldn't be all about us trying to be good enough for you. We recognise that we wouldn't, we can't be good enough. We, we slip up, we mess up. But Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus, that he died and rose again. Thank you for that outrageous love shown where you fought for us. You lay down your life to protect us and to keep us from harm. Father, I want to pray for anyone this morning that hasn't yet made a decision to walk through that gate. And Father, I pray that we would know that it's nothing to do with us. It's nothing to do with whether we're um, good enough yet, whether we've sorted out our um our struggles, our failures yet, but Lord, you say, come as you are. So Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be calling our name this morning. Father, if there's anyone that is on the fence, doesn't quite know whether to um, come through that gate, Lord, may they hear you calling their name this morning. Thank you that you are such a good God. Thank you that you love us abundantly and you protect us. And we pray, Father, that we will know that it's not about us and that it's only about you. And that truth will liberate us, will free us. So we pray these things in Jesus' name.